Hey y'all, Alan here, and welcome to A Journey's Rest, a podcast focused on the vast but deep set of topics about the complexity and joy of roleplay games. Whether you need to attune to a magic item, regain some hit points, change out spells, or just reminisce with friends, here we sit down for around about an hour and enjoy ourselves. This week, Jackson and I discuss the pros and cons of creating lengthy, novel-esque backstories versus generic backstories that allow for more discovery of the character through gameplay. Which is better? Which is worse? Are we qualified to answer that question? Probably not! Join us as we use examples from our current campaigns as well as previously made characters to explain the burden of responsibility for backstory and the creation of metaphorical, twistable knives. The third best kind of knife. I forgot what the second one was, or the first. Hope you enjoy. And we're in. Hello. Hi, everybody. I'm Alan. It's nice to have you here. Uh, today, I have a wonderful guest. His name's Jackson. Hello, Jackson. Oh, hi. That's me. I'm a Jackson. <laughs> so, I'm one of those. I, I'm excited to have Jackson on today. You guys may remember in episode 16, I referenced a player, and I referenced this player as doing something super dope, and it was that he found his character through playing them in the game instead of yeah. giving me a gigantic backstory that I have uh, oftentimes asked of other people. And I said, man, you know what? I don't think I've given him enough credit for that. And lo and behold, I asked, and I said, hey, would you like to do a podcast? And then he said, uh, yeah, sure, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> let's do it over uh, creating the character and, and playing through them as opposed to, like you said, that that vaxxed, extensive backstory yeah. full of, you know, I was born into a family of 13 kids. Their names are Venetia, yeah. Tobin, oh, no. and then making a massive... I was so worried that that bit was like you were going to carry that bit until the end. I was so worried that you were just going to, I was so worried you were just going to go like, all right, let's see if I can make up 13 names in a row. And I was just like, damn, that's good. I do like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that to the listener. Um, I mean, honestly, I would though. I I would do that. (laughs) I, I could pull a Tolkien and just like describe a tree branch for 45 minutes. Dude, I would love that. Honestly, at some point, <laughs> I'm just going to have a whole podcast where I just bring in some mundane topic and talk. Wait, am I describing my podcast? <laughs> hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I thought that was such an awesome idea. Like we had another idea that we were going to do and I'll, I'll, I'll save that one for later. But I think this idea was actually way cooler because it really hits on something that, you know, we have a good dynamic with in the game that we currently play. So yeah, so I, I thought that we would kind of um, pull these things into two different categories. Um, you know, we have two different types of backstory players that I kind of, you know, oftentimes see in in my games, right? Mm-hmm. I have those who I'm like, can you give me a backstory? And then we get this, like, you know, the 13 children backstory, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then we have other people who are like, well, like, I kind of want to create a general backstory that's loosely connected to things and then find them on their way. And I feel like um, you generally tend towards the the finding yourself on the way, right? I Oh, um, every character I ever play, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that we should just kind of like go for Well, like why do you prefer that over writing huge backstories? Because I'm sure that you've seen other people create huge backstories to great success, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, all the time. But I've also seen it and heard it done to... To the effect of writing yourself in a box. Yeah, totally. Where you you haven't found that character yet, and you don't know if that character is going to be fun to play or not. Yeah. And so once you've created them, I actually I, I look back. I remember listening to a uh, uh, shout out, I guess, to the uh, the Adventure Zone Zone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they actually talked about that in was it uh, what what campaign was it? Shoot, I don't remember. I think it was one of their mini campaigns, or it was Amnesty, where they talked mm-hmm. about writing characters and. Uh, it was Justin who plays Taco and Duck, where he talked about, you know, with, with Taco, they didn't know what they were doing, and he just kind of found it as they played it, and as such, he grew such a stronger attachment to the character. Whereas with the next character he made, he made this massive backstory, and then once he started playing them, he was like, oh, well, I don't want to play this person. This isn't 
this doesn't feel as as organic or good. Yeah. Uh, and I think totally. I think there's a a huge thing a huge pro there of you're discovering this person as you're playing them, and as such, you grow a bond with them as opposed to knowing everything about a person at once. Yeah, I, I think I felt that from for myself in a, in a couple instances. There was one. I've talked about it on this podcast before, but I don't think I've talked about it at length. But, like, I wrote this, like, big backstory about a character one time. And I think this is kind of like me cutting the middle of these two ideas. Um, mm-hmm. Where, like, I've had these instances where um, I will write a backstory for someone and then I will get into the game and the the mood is just wrong, right? Like, yeah. I'll get in there and I'll be like, hey... Here's my very serious man, and he is very serious and sad. And everybody else is like, poop jokes are funny, though. And (laughs) and I'm I'm excited because you know what? Poop jokes are funny. But then I have to be like, okay, well, I just kind of have to throw away some of this character because at a certain point, you don't want to be abrasive, but you kind of want to stick true to the character. So you kind of like find the pieces that are the most important. Mm -hmm. You like keep those around and then you know, you you find the rest of it later and you drop the parts that aren't as important and that kind of like hinder the way that it works uh, with the rest of the party. And that can be good and that can be bad, uh, right? Absolutely. There's a little bit of like trying to find what's right in that that like concoction of figuring out that character, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I I think you bring up an excellent point too, especially talking about party dynamic because that's such an important part about what makes a campaign fun. And if you write yourself into a corner without knowing everyone else's backstory, which I, going off on a different tangent, I I don't think, unless you know, unless your character knows that character intimately going back in, I think it's more fun to discover the characters as you're playing. Yeah. Um, Then, you know, you guys have been traveling together for two months. It's like, oh, uh, okay, but I know nothing about these people other than the laundry list of facts they can tell me. Right. Uh. And, and not writing that vast backstory also allows you to play into whatever that dynamic is that they're giving you. It allows, I think, for the energy to be bounced off of more things than – it keeps the energy organically bouncing in the same as the same type of energy, right? Because if yeah. somebody's super bubbly and happy as a character, but, you know, you made your character to be uh, based in Avernus, right? Yeah. Like – a hell spawn or, or a killer of hell demons, then when they throw you this bubbly energy, it just drops and becomes something completely different. It changes the type of energy from that bubbly, right? If if the bubbly person sends it to the, the demon hunter whose family died horribly right. in a fire, and right. that's, you know, the Punisher type, that it just, either the energy just completely drops or it changes. And that can be humorous. There's absolutely... An element there that can be played with, but totally. it doesn't force that dynamic on somebody else if that's not what they want the campaign to be. Right. I- I've seen that work well, but like it generally has to be like meta kind of, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the like the players have to be in on it, but like the characters don't necessarily have to be in on it, right? Because like the players can be like, oh my gosh, your bubbly energy against my very serious energy is hilarious, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but I mean I mean that's the oldest, you know, you know, goofy man, straight man you know, thing in yeah. comedy. That's like the one of the oldest tropes in in the history of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like at the same time, like you guys have to both be invested in that type of thing, right? You Absolutely. can't you can't both just like come at it and be like, I'm gonna be super serious and then someone throw that energy at you and you're like, no, we're playing this type of D and D and it just wouldn't work. So no, no, no. No, yeah, totally. And so yeah, I think that um I think there's a lot of like benefit to trying to find that along the way or um, even like just kind of having those conversations with people before you start, like at session zero, that's also kind of an important like place oh, to sure. set all this up as well. Yeah. And I don't, in my opinion, I don't think enough people do a session zero. Yeah. Uh, maybe publicly they, they do a lot of, you know, there's always a session zero between you and the player. Sorry, you being the DM and the player when yeah. making your character and finding out about the character. And yep. I think a session zero like table work in acting is absolutely mandatory if the party knows each other before um you need to come up with some way to talk about your past adventures come up with how you know each other and actually act as if you're meeting each other for the first time if you're not totally playing those out do a a pseudo 
mock-through of your first meeting so that you already know and have established what your relationship is to all of these characters, because it's more interesting if you're not buddy-buddy with everyone, but if you respect them and have their back, you know what I mean? It Yeah. The relationships are layered. They're not... We're best friends. We're all best friends. Right. Like, there's always something more there. There's right, different of course. layers. It, yeah, it, it's 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 almost boring when it's all so simple. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you have people who are, we're all best friends. We go do stuff together. It's like, oh, wow, where's the inter-party conflict? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, some of my favorite stuff about, um, about our campaign is how much inter-party, like, you guys want the best for each other, but at the same time, you all are coming from these different places where it there are just these ideals that clash, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, like, some of my favorite shit is when, like, Razia will do something, like, and then Radreal will be like, that was a dumb choice. And then Razia's like, I'm 19. <laughs> and he just, like, <laughs> doesn't process what that means. Yeah. So that's that good stuff, you know what I mean? So Absolutely. And it also, it creates... The party becomes stronger for having to actually overcome that conflict of course. and not just saying they overcame that conflict. Of because course. you as – I mean, you're not necessarily a performer in d and I would say you, you are. Or, I, I, or, I would almost explicitly say you are. You as, a, as an actor don't have to try to draw upon a past experience in your own life or something equivalent. You literally – have that experience of overcoming right. that conflict and it strengthens your actual bond with all the characters. Of course. I think there's a lot to be said to to like experiencing that as you go um mm-hmm. through the campaign and that's I mean really when it comes down to it role playing in D&D is really like all about kind of how the characters interact in game and so I think bringing this back to the main story point of our podcast today is if you're already doing that, and that's the stuff that makes you feel the most viscerally, uh, like, in the game, then why not make your backstory off of that as well? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, or why not find the character's person... Sorry, not your backstory necessarily, but why not find your personality for the character out of that as well, right? So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, totally. Um, what? So I think I want to kind of talk about benefits of doing this strategy versus doing a vast backstory strategy. Um, cause I think that they're both good, right? I oh, think, for sure. I think they can both be done really well. Um, but I think that, um, I think there, there's like a happy medium to be, to be made at the same time too, right? So like mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot to be said about people who put a lot of time into their backstories and, um, you know, they go through and they, they try and do their best to be like, okay, DM, like, where are the important things in this world? What can I put in here what can I not put in here how many people am I allowed to have for my uh my people that you know I I knew in the past and things like that um I think there's something to be said about someone who puts in so much effort to to try and do that before the game even starts so that they come in with like this really robust set of uh ideals and things like that um I would say um since she's not really playing in the game anymore um uh our the person who played Fazim was she did that um you know she she came in and she was like what are all these things what's the political structure that i have here i need to make sure i have this this and this she literally has a document that is like three pages long of like family names and uh and different place like where she's from in this one city where she uh lived what people were around her what was important around her what she cared about what she did and what the hierarchy of her family was and that was Mm -hmm. dope Right, and that's really good, I think, uh, especially for a very secretive character. Right? Oh, absolutely. Someone, someone who wants to hide a lot has to have a lot in which they know they are hiding. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, like for Fazim, that was stuff that she didn't really feel like sharing. Right? Yeah. Uh, and and so that was good for for her. But I mean, like, you know, generally, I think that with Citigal, which is the character that you are playing in in my campaign. Um, yeah, there's there's less to hide, right? I mean, there's oh, sure. there's stuff to hide, but there's not as there's not like a whole family structure and like a, you know um, a, a political gain or like Machiavellian kind of games that are being played. Oh yeah, Citigal has a very direct objective. You know what I mean? And I think <laughs> bringing up Fazim and Citigal, I think Citigal is a much more direct person, and I think that that also um, the the 
type of character that you're you're making, right, which you should know by the time you roll your dice and pick your class, yeah. I think that also can help influence what kind of backstory strategy you want to take. Cynical's a goblin. He doesn't care about Levitican political structure. Sure. Like, I, I was a baby found on the sea, and then I was yep. raised on a ship on the sea as a sailor. Yeah. I don't, yeah. What what do I care? I'm never going to be involved exactly. in Leviticus political scene. Why do I care? Yeah. The only thing I know is is the adventures that I faced. And you bring up an interesting point too about Vazim having this huge document and and coming up with her entire family class structure. It takes a lot of responsibility on the part of the player to come up with that, yeah. especially when they don't know. Like if we're doing a pre-written campaign in the Sword Coast, right? Everyone knows the Sword Coast. Right. Everyone knows Neverwinter or Baldur's Gate. Sure. You you know what that world is like, and therefore it's easier for you to create a more in-depth backstory in that world. But if you're playing in, for example, uh, in Lefwakesh, where we're in your world that you've been playing in for years, yeah. that I've never once experienced, I feel bad in some respect because it puts a bigger burden on your shoulders if you choose to use my backstory to influence anything but it also guarantees that i'm not messing with anything i don't understand mm-hmm. um and it excites me because i get to learn more about this world around me mm-hmm. by playing in it i would also um, say uh, as an argument like um, that also allows you to, at a certain level, be more connected with the story because you've got more options for like f- for the world to interact with you rather than having preconceived notions before you even get in it and don't even know about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, and, and it's it's cool. I mean, this is this has happened. Um, I'm trying to think a, a couple times, but for example, the first time we met the the peacekeepers the Leviticus sure. Peacekeepers, and I was like, oh, they're from Levitica. Do I know anything about this? And it's like, yeah, you do. You would have known this, this, and this. It's like, oh, shit, cool. Yeah. And then it's like I'm learning more, both Citigal and myself are learning more about the world that we live in and how they connect, and yeah. it further invests me as a player because I'm literally learning new stuff all the time. Yeah, I totally agree. I have a question about something that we we talked about a little bit earlier um, about like this kind of dichotomy between these two characters that we're I think are great examples of these two different types of of strategy. Um, Mm. Do you find that as you uh, do you find that making these kind of like looser backstory characters lends themselves to be less secretive characters or do you find that you're able to play both styles? Uh, I do find that I'm able to play both styles. It it really depends on if there is a secret or not. Um, okay. And it's it's you know as an actor you always want to put yourself in the role or put as much of your you know what I mean put as much of yourself as you can mm-hmm. uh, to make it more real I suppose mm, totally and that's yeah. that's or where my, my or, or relatable yeah and that that's where my training is I mean that's what I went to school for that's what I did for a living for many years. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that's something that I, I that I try to do now. And I'm a very open person normally, and so a lot of my characters are very open. Yeah. However, I always think that a character should have something they don't necessarily want everyone to know. Yeah. Um, whether that is a huge secret or not, uh, I don't think knowing that secret or, or having that secret really affects you playing off the cuff as it were. Mm. Uh, it just gives you something to protect a little more and yeah. maybe something that you know a little bit more about. Yeah, P- possibly um, create intentional um, future inter-party uh, conversational pieces that are more interesting, right? You know what I mean? <clears throat> like having something where you're like, oh, like not everybody knows this is a much more fun thing to have than like just walking in and being like, Oh well, I've got like every. Here's my whole open book time. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna. I I I don't have anything to hide. Like, you know, sometimes it it feels like you said earlier, cool to overcome those secrets too. So, mm-hmm. um, and it makes the, the party feel more yeah, interactive and kind of um interlocking. Yeah. And and I think a a secret. Uh, this is speaking from a DM perspective. I think a a secret knife a, a secret knife to twist or a knife to twist that is a secret 
is a much more interesting knife to twist than a backstory knife, if that makes sense. Sure. It's more in- it's more interesting to basically force the reveal of character's secret at X moment than mm-hmm. it is to be like, oh, here's character's brother coming in. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, okay, cool. Hi, brother, who I haven't seen in a long time. Right. The other one is like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, what do I do? Because I don't want people to know this. Yep. And it, it creates more tension. Yeah. I've found Normally. that... No, I totally agree with you. I found that I've also tried to find ways in backstories to kind of, like, do that as well. So, like, people in the backstories of other players will have secrets, Mm -hmm. right? And so I try and kind of, like, break break the line down the middle with that one. Mm -hmm. So where, like... You like these characters and these players' backstories, or you like these these NPCs that I ha- I've put in the game, but they have secrets that they're like, well, I don't want everybody to know about that. But um, the characters might be interested in those, and they might find out small pieces of of that type of backstory as they go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I, I would say I- that's that's like an interesting way to to cut the line down the middle with that. But I think that. Um, Oftentimes, those secrets are are the most fun to discover. Yeah, and I, th- I think it also depends a lot too on how how the character interacts with the world can also dictate whether you have a vast backstory or no backstory. Citigal, goblin in a Levitican army, no other goblins anywhere else. Didn't yep. make a lot of friends. Didn't really have anyone he cared about other than Septimus, his adopted daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh. And as such, doesn't really think about anyone else in his past except for Zeptimus. Um, yeah. He wasn't treated super great, and so he doesn't try to think about it. Whereas with Fazim, who... Um, he wasn't treated super great, but he wasn't, you know, like, harassed or, or totally. necessarily had any enemies. Right. Uh, but Fazim, on the other hand, right, like, had a whole family that she loved and a, a cousin who she adored and then was pseudo betrayed by that same family yeah and then you have that betrayal and that would leave a lasting impression and whether you hate somebody or love somebody you definitely have feelings about them one way or another yeah and that right there influences the fact that okay this is definitely a vast backstory character and not a uh generic backstory character yeah okay um so i was gonna uh, move on to one of our next bullet points in our Structure here. I'm peeling back the curtain a little bit. I'm sorry, Ooh. everybody. I know. I- I'm bad. Um, but so, like, so what do you think about this um, kind of, like, in the realm of, of like, um, you know, putting responsibility on different parties? Because I feel like there's, like, there there's a lot of interesting ways that these that this can play out, right? So there, like, with the, um, with the, uh, the looser backstory, you kind of gave me some interesting ideas on your thoughts about it before we started the podcast. I, I was wondering if you'd kind of like um, move forward on those and kind of share those with the class. Um, sure, for the uh, taking responsibility and like what, what you yeah, said. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a fantastic point that you made. I don't want to steal it from you. <laughs> so uh, I believe basically the, the thought that I had right is uh, the world – that the DM has created, if it's not something like the Sword Coast, um, they know all of the intricacies and they know all of what's happening behind every curtain. Mm-hmm. And so by giving the DM an open-ended backstory, they have, in my opinion, as opposed to having, like, three tools, right? They're like, okay, I can pull on this thread, I can pull on this thread, I can pull on this thread. Mm-hmm. They literally have an infinite number of threads provided that is a pandora's box that they want to open and create something in totally uh it it gives the dm more options that said it also puts a bigger responsibility on them to create details if that is a box they want to open whereas it takes less stress off the player because they're like here's my backstory here's everything citigal remembers oh that's something he didn't but it is something that happened because the dm said so and then again it's a discovery that you didn't know and again invests you more in that character because you're learning something new yeah i would say there's something to be said with that about like decision paralysis right Mm because with an infinite amount of options oftentimes that comes with an infinite amount of like things that you need to think about in order to make sure that those options make sense right yeah 
So like, I would say, uh, oh gosh, I had this great point. Oh well, whatever. Um, I would say that like, um, I would say that that generally that type of thing can be really interesting, but it can also kind of like look around and I, I could be like looking at Citigal's backstory and I could be like, okay, well like what all could I add here? And there's so many options that I'm just like, oh my God, oh, yeah. I have no idea what to do. Like, because I've, I've had these instances before where I was like, man, I feel like I have some things for, for Radreal, I have some things for Fazim, I have some things for Razia, I have some things for Rizwin, but then I'll be like, okay, I gotta find something to make sure that I put in here for Citigal. Uh, and then I'll be like, okay, Here's another gunslinger that we're going to have a whole thing about. And then that kind of, I feel like that definitely hit well enough for sure. I was about to say, to be fair, that is currently who everyone in the party is trying to destroy. Yeah, I would say generally it, it hit okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, I think that's that's good. But, you know, it was at that point I was just like, man, I just, I have to like, think up something right now to make sure because like i think at a certain point right i can it's a a lot easier to pull on those threads from the people that have the backstories it's like all right i have five tools right like i just look and i pick a tool right yeah yeah like with with citigal it was more like man i have to like figure out how to get this tool to work and i don't Mm -hmm. even know what tool i'm supposed to be using right absolutely and so like for that it was um it's 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 a little harder in that sense but i mean it can definitely be more rewarding i think the one thing that i was going to say with um with the you know you know the dm says it it's true so it must be so i never will insert things into your backstory i just mm-hmm. like if or at least in the sense that like if citigal was conscious during that moment citigal understands everything that occurred right mm. so so like there could be something that happened like before you were born or like in a different place in the world, but there'll never be a moment where I was like, yeah, Citigal used to be a wyvern writer. And then he went and he shot oh, a bunch of yeah. dogs dead, but like he didn't <laughs> even course. know he was a bad guy. You know what I mean? So yeah, like that stuff won't happen. Um, but like, you know, I think having a, a good basis for like options there is good, but there's also this like some people might be okay with that type of thing, but I definitely won't be doing that. Oh, no, for sure. But I think it, it, it also, you know, it lends stuff to like, okay, well, he is son of Septimus, so does Septimus have any enemies that might come after Citigal for X totally. reason? Or totally. he he hunted pirates for the first nine years of his life, or, since he's only ten. Um, are there any pirates out there that remember him and we might run across that want revenge? Maybe he thought they were all wiped out. Um, it... it opens up those kind of doorways instead of forcing predetermined tools that the DM can... Do you know what I mean? That the DM can choose from. But again, it puts the... Like you said, it puts the responsibility on the DM to come up with that, which can be hard. It can be very difficult. Yeah. Uh, Especially... No, go ahead, please. I was going to say, especially depending on the person. I'm the kind of person where if you tell me you want X task done and you give me a set of parameters... Um, I will find the quickest, easiest solution to, or uh, the quickest and easiest way to get to what you want using the tools I am given. Right. But if you say, get me to X result and I don't care how you use it, I experience that exact same analysis paralysis where I'm like, oh, I could do it this way. Oh, but then I could do it this way. Oh, but I could do it this way. And then I yep. just never do it. Yep. Totally. I think, have you had any instances in which that's occurred to you as a DM? Um, where, where like uh, you have where, a loose backstory and then you say, okay, like how do I add something in for this person to make this exciting for them? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I play a lot of, uh, Dungeons and Dragons with people who this might be their, their first time playing mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons or the first time playing Dungeons and Dragons in many years. And the game has, you know, obviously changed drastically. Right. So, um, most of the backstories, honestly, that I have are very sparse. Sure. And so, 90% of the time, it's creating uh, knives to twist. For example, I mean, we're playing through Strahd right now and um, with, with one of these groups, and I'm giving them all nightmares every single time they sleep. 
and the nightmare has to pull on a lot of their backstory in order for it to be an effective nightmare. But a lot right. of their backstories are very sparse, so I'm filling in a lot of blanks, and I have to come up with not maybe not necessarily background things, because as you said, I don't want to inject something in there that isn't in there. Right, totally. But things that now that I've met their personality as we've been playing up to level six, mm-hmm. things that I know their personality type wouldn't like, and ways to torture them that way instead, yeah. if that makes sense. Totally, yeah. And, and I think that's a good observation, right? Like trying to look for that personality and then finding things that that kind of aligns with. That makes a lot of sense, too, mm-hmm. um, for adding those those options, those knives to twist, right? Yeah. So I would say then that for me, I've had instances before where people will create sparse backstories. And one of the reasons why I think I kind of strayed away from it for a while was because I think there were some people that I was uh, playing with in which that was harmful to them as a player, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, for example, I I would have, like, a player who has this really sparse backstory. They say, I come from this place. Um, these people died in my backstory. And it would be like, ah, oh, man, okay, cool. Um, that's good. But then, like, I want more meat on those bones you know what i mean and then they like i would have uh people who just you know wouldn't engage as much as i was hoping and that like i could get through one arc that dealt with that stuff and then it was over right and and i couldn't pull too much more out of them um and i wanted so much more from that uh because i thought that that was like a good starting point but then once that was all done, like, I didn't, I I was having a hard time handing them things that they cared about, right? I would oh, for sure. give them, you know, I would give them an NPC or I'd give them a cool item, right? Or something like that. And they would just be like, oh, cool. And then they would just never interact with it, right? Mm-hmm. And that and- would be, you know, that's frustrating because I feel like I'm, it, it gets exhausting when you try and create those things for those players and they don't take them. I think I think right now my idea for this type of thing is like players who take this and run with it, it works great. But mm-hmm. players who don't know how to run with it, it can be really detrimental to how they play. Oh, for sure. And that's actually exactly what I was going to brought up. You brought up a great point that this is definitely a style that works better for people who engage with the world. And they always have to be asking themselves, how does Citigal feel about this? How do I feel about this? Every single time. Because what you're creating is instead of knives for the DM to twist in your backstory, you're creating real-time relationships with people in the world around you in the present that the DM can use and mold and manipulate those relationships however they see fit to affect you in the moment. So... Instead of having this person that I made up that I, Jackson, have absolutely no care about, instead mm-hmm. you can fuck with Fletcher, who sure. is one of the town guards that Citigal has, and Jackson now has made a real-life connection with, yeah. and that I, as not only the character but the player, genuinely care about. I don't right. have to feign that, because if something happens to him, I genuinely feel bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it definitely is a play style that has, in my opinion, I guess not has to, but works most effectively with a player who is in it for the discovery, is in it to engage constantly and always be asking them what this means, how would Citigal respond to this, how do I feel about this, Yeah, and wants to forge relationships with en- as many NPCs as possible. Of course. Do, do you think that your background in the in theater in general has benefited you in creating characters with this type of playstyle? Uh, see, it's it's odd because I hate improv. <laughs> okay. Uh, I absolutely despise it. Uh, I, I that's not true. I love it as an art form. I love right. watching improv. I hate oh, yeah. doing improv. I, dude, um, I feel the exact same way. I have, like, tried out for improv troops before, and then I'll be, like, halfway through the audition, I'll be, like, I don't want to do this. And I will right? just, like, stop auditioning halfway through because I'll be, like, oh, well. Like, this wasn't as fun as I was hoping it would be. <laughs> I I totally get that. I'm yeah. the same way. And I'm I, – I, but then I was a radio DJ for two years. Yeah. And that's 
literally the job is to just improv. But as long as I don't think about it as improv and my co-host Alex, you know, was always like, dude, I don't know why you didn't do improv. And I was like, cause it's terrifying and I hate it. It's like, but that's what you do. That's what you're doing right now. Right. And I don't know if my background in theory or my, my background in theater, uh, benefits it definitely alters the way i play yeah it definitely has a huge impact on who i am as a human being totally um and i guess it does open me up more to thinking of you know the who what when where why and how of every situation totally and looking for the theater term is given circumstances in every single situation that i'm in because i you know did that for years yeah um and maybe it does help me form a more specific bond with my character, mm-hmm. but uh, it, you know, I've said all of that, and now the more that I'm thinking about it, yes, uh, I think it definitely has, because in theater, you're, the trick to acting, right, is you're, you're taking someone else's words and making them yours, right? Yeah. Making them your own, as mm-hmm. if you're saying them for the very first time, and Playing in this play style is very much that same way. I'm not making up the backstory, right? I'm, I'm giving a, a broad set of parameters that the DM then will fill in a blank for that mm-hmm. then I have to say, well, this is the lore. This is where it came from, and then turn that into something of mine. And it it helps me create a sense of... What's the word? I don't. I almost said realism, but that's not right. Uh, a concreteness, a sure. a sense of reality yeah. to the world that I'm in when I'm in it, because I know how to do that. Yeah, or embodiment, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good that's a good way to look at it too. So sure. yeah, I guess in that respect, I definitely think that it does benefit me as a player. So how do you think that you get from like? Not like so. For example, this is this is where I'm coming from with this. Um, we have another player who plays with us. Um, she plays a character named Rizwin, and she comes into D anD D, and she will say, "I don't know if I feel like good about talking to everybody here because I hate improv." And I'm like, "Well, I mean, it's kind of improv, right? But it's also just kind of like, you know, playing yourself plus. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So for how do you think that you get to where you are? right now in separating those two different types of thought processes, right? Because for her, it's very much like inherently improv, right? But for you, you have kind of walked a little past where improv is into just like being there, right? Maybe the first Mm -hmm. little bit of like trying to figure out who this character is, is is more improv than it is now. Because at this point, it's more embodying, you know? Um, and so how do you think those two type of ideologies kind of clash? Because for her, it's consistent, right? Mm-hmm. But for you, it's past. It's just embodying this character that you already know. And, and I think it's a, it's a hard distinction, too, because with Rizwin um, and uh, Jennifer specifically, this mm-hmm. is her first real Dungeons & Dragons experience. Yeah. Um, and it's with a group of people whose opinion I know she values very highly. Right. And I think there is that that social anxiety that I know that she just as a human being has. Sure. Of also not wanting to look dumb. I mean, don't we all? It was, you know what I mean? For sure. But that's what I was about to say is I I don't really. Sure. Like, I don't really care. Uh, okay. I mean, I, I do. I, I value, you know, you and Morgan's opinions greatly. But as far as needing to have people accept me a certain way or sure. feel like I need to present myself in X way to other people. Totally. I don't I don't feel that need. I just yeah. am who I am and that's what it is. Yeah. And I think that also helps me in like, yeah, I hate improv, but if I do something stupid, that's okay. It's like yeah. cool, it'll pass. Um and I, I just don't know if, and I have, you know, like I said, I have experience on D&D, both DMing and playing for the last 10 years to draw totally. upon. Um, I have a much more, I think the rules freak her out a lot too. Yeah, there's um, a lot of rules. And uh, I think she, part of what makes her freak out about speaking up 
has to do with, well, if I speak up and say the wrong thing, I'm going to have to make a check and I don't know what dice to roll or what to add. And... <laughs> but how will you get better? Exactly. But how yeah. will you get better? I think that's the thing that'll come with time, too. We need to. I think so, too. I think we need to do more combat where Rizwin is, like, smack in the middle of it and having to roll dice. Because, like, oh, there'll yeah. be times when, like, like, she won't have rolled dice in, like, two sessions. And I'll be like, what am I supposed to do? How do I keep <laughs> you remembering all of these things? There's a lot of stuff to remember. And she really has gotten to a point where she will just cast spells that require only saving throws so she doesn't have to roll dice. Yep. And I, I, I do think, we, we made the joke about this last session, but I, I do wonder if next level, if she does completely re-level into just cleric only and literally takes only spells that have saves or just happen. Yeah, uh, which is a is a valid way to play. That's a valid especially way to play. if especially if role playing is your primary reason for doing it. That's totally fair. Um, you know what I mean? Like if you're like, I don't care about the intricacies. I don't want to power level or power builds. Totally. Um, I don't care about the actual combat prowess of my character. Right. Uh, I think that's. I mean, then we just start getting into a whole topic of play styles, which is a whole nother podcast episode. Com- to completely agree. But uh, I, mean, I would not say that Rizwin is, like, incapable in battle either, though. No, because, no like, not at all. She definitively is just, like, the the mega healer of the party yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. she's, like, I mean, it's a valuable playstyle, especially, like, if she enjoys that playstyle more, like, why take her away from the playstyle she enjoys, I guess? Exactly. You know? And, so. I mean, she's also, you know, what, six levels into Ranger? And yeah. so she also could just, like, shoot everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, definitely. She gets four attacks or whatever, round one yeah. of combat. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. But, no, yeah, uh, totally. And I think that, I think, honestly, it's kind of a, a an overtime thing. So I think, honestly, it probably helped Jen, uh, or, sorry, the the Jen plays Rizwin, just, just to make sure that everybody knows that, um, to be very clear. Um I think it, it helped her to walk in with kind of this mentor figure that she could look back to whenever she was kind of confused about the world, right? Yes. Because that allowed her to be like, okay, well, I don't know what's going on. I'm just going to ask Alan through this character yep. that I made for my backstory, right? And and I was about to say, I was about to give you props exactly for that because Adelia is exactly what I think Rizwin needed. Right, um, totally. I know there was a Beach Day episode that I wasn't involved in yet, but I know for her that was one of her favorite sessions that we've had so far. Yeah. Because it was just her and Adelia and Razia. Yep. Um, And she didn't feel any pressure to act. Yeah. Uh, and I mean that not in the sense of pressure for acting, but mm-hmm. pressure for like in combat where it's like analysis paralysis. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Oh yeah. How do I help? Um, it was just messing around for yeah four hours. And I actually feel like she got a lot more uh, like accustomed to being in the shoes of Rizwin with that with that one uh, mm-hmm. session too. I feel like she really enjoyed being in those those not having to worry shoes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it helped her kind of feel out Rizwin a little bit more. And honestly, I felt like after that session, she has engaged a little bit more uh, as Rizwin, too. And so, you know, for her having that backstory, those characters that she can really latch into, it was really valuable. So I think one of the big things to take away from this this conversation is you can go really hard in one direction and say, here's my backstory. I've got eight pages of it, and that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> Uh, and you can also go, okay, here's my backstory. It's a paragraph and a half long. And that's yep. it. But I'm going to find my character along the way. And then you can, like, really cut it down the middle, right? Because, like, I mean, for Jen, she had some backstory pieces, but she also didn't, like, she hadn't played D&D in this way before. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, she had played a couple one-shots, but I don't think she had played D&D how I DM D&D yeah. ever before. You know what I mean? And so... um, I think that that to her, like learning Rizwin along the way is, I mean, I think that happens for her as well. You know what I mean? Just on a di- maybe a different level than Citigal. Oh, for um, sure. But I think that like she's kind of cut it down the middle where she's like, okay, I always have a place to go back to, but you know, I'm still finding how I want to play D and D as I go too. Mm-hmm. And something that I think is really interesting for Rizwin too is. Um 
like you said, Jennifer is, is very reserved in her playstyle right now, but mm-hmm. you could argue backstorily, uh, which is a new word, trademark me. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, she has the most world or universe expanding purpose sure. out of all of us, right? I mean, she's uh, essentially a god's chosen set yeah. to go on this quest, whereas, like, I was in the Navy, and Reese is like, or Roger L is like, I was shunted out of my plane. Yeah. And Rosie is like, I'm 19 and punch stuff good. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, and that then was all the most sudden... succinct description of Rosia I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but, but accurate. It's very accurate. I mean, there's obviously, now that we're, you know, getting into Rosia the fifth and everything, I mean, there's more to Rosia than yeah. Rosia. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, all of those things are very contained to the world that we're in, whereas Jen's is the only backstory that really, inv- or Rizwin's is the only backstory that really involves the gods and a, a greater picture. Yeah, I think um, we've got some stuff at Sorry, face value. I would yeah. say at least at face value. Yeah, totally. I think that we've got some of it kind of creeping a little closer in other places now. Um, with like uh, Radre Ikan, um, Radreal has taken a new name or a new suffix Ikan, and um, I think as we kind of hit that a little closer and we start learning more about like the greater construction of the universe and things like that, like it can be, um, it can be, or we're, we're inching closer to that type of thing. Uh, with everybody, but I think that hers was really the one that kind of allowed for the possibility of that scope in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, the the last thing then that I, I want to say about that too is, um, or, or about about you know being a god's chosen everything like that is the other nice thing about not having a backstory like that is I don't know my purpose. Sure. And I think that that is a more interesting way to necessarily play because if Citigal, you know becomes a god's chosen cool great whatever mm-hmm. um but we then actually have to play that and it will be more meaningful to me as a player to have that ex- to actually have that exchange yeah and and act it out um or even if he doesn't it forces me to if Rodriol becomes god of the Kalrai and Rizwin ascends to avatarhood or whatever she mm-hmm. ascends to it forces Citigal to cut out his own path and become the plane hopping airship pirate he was always born to be totally or i guess not pirate uh plane hopping airship captain totally again it, it takes you out of the box it doesn't force the path of the character the world's your oyster and you find like life, you find the path best suited for you. Yeah, totally. I think one of my favorite things is to... Uh, I, I think it's really interesting that you say that because oftentimes I will take people's backstories and then kind of give them that, but it's a little sour. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, for example, my intent with uh, Radre or Reese, Radreal, um and I've talked to this, talked to Barry about this, who pilots Radreal. Um, and uh, I told him, okay, wh- what do you want to do with, with this character? And he says, well, I have a very strict goal. I am trying to get home. And I said, okay, cool. And my intent was to say, the closer that he gets to home, the less that he wants to be there. That's my goal, to make him feel that way as he mm-hmm. does so, right? The closer he gets to realizing this as, as something that's possible, the farther I want him to be away from realistically wanting that, right? Yeah. And so, um, like, for example, uh, you know, with um, with Razia, she had this incredibly powerful creature give her these spectral arms, and then as she grew more and more powerful and wanted to get stronger and stronger, I showed her, you know, how how dangerous power can be right mm-hmm. um things like that um and and so those other things oftentimes will splinter and it's not always in the same way right like i don't intend to say 
oh, Herder, look, Idalia is secretly Asmodeus, right? Like, <laughs> that's not really gonna, I, at least I don't think that's gonna happen. That would be very of, surprising, I would as say. As of this podcast, I don't <laughs> think that will happen. Um, but I mean, for example, that would be um, a very, um, I mean, that would be like a, a subverting kind of feeling. And I want, I want to try and take the backstories that people give me and then, while I try and push them forward on the goals that they they hand over to me at, in backstory, like it's not fun unless they experience that that you know that trial that tribulation along yep, the way. Yep. So for for example, you know, as Citigol goes through and starts to hunt um, a, a character named Dante that we have in in the the campaign, who's the other gunslinger that's almost like Citigol's nemesis, his rival. Um, uh, you know, that type of thing is very frustrating, um, but it also is, you know, there is no, um, there is no interest without there being that trial, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For for Radreal, you know, there is no interest in him just saying, okay, I have all the pieces, I'm going to go home by, right? Yeah. That, that's boring, right? I want there to be conflict. I want there to be a non-linear path to getting to this solution i want there to be choices you have to make difficult ones in order to get to where you need to be right Mm -hmm. so like you know we had a character that was essentially saying you can come home a couple sessions ago to him and he was just like i don't want to anymore right like Mm -hmm. this is not where i want to be you know so um that that to me felt like there had been a lot of growth in the character because like what is what is the character unless they have growth right and that's i think ultimately what we're kind of like aiming at with this whole episode is these i think building a character out of finding latching into and experiencing growth is sometimes a more natural way uh to kind of get them to a place where you want them to be and make them feel more realistic more um, approachable and more uh, interesting as a character uh, because you've watched them go through all these trials you've experienced them experiencing all these tribulations and they feel more realistic in those experiences than they would ever feel in the backstories that you may have given or may have not given before the game even started absolutely and what one thing that I love about Citigol and um, the the method that I do about you know finding the character through play and it, actually I'm sorry to say I think probably makes it a little difficult for you is um, objectives right um, or things that the character wants uh, the, what you just described with like the going home and the amassing more power would be in theater what we would call a super objective right like it's it's their biggest want but totally. Citigol's all of Citigol's objectives are fluid as objectives should be. Also, his super objective is somewhat fluid. His his goal now, his super objective now, is vastly different than what it was when the campaign started. And after he finishes it, he's got so many other things that he wants to do that will become the new super objective that yep. he can just keep going and I can keep playing him forever instead yeah. of reaching that point where I'm like, oh, I'm home, now what? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. And I then agree. having to try to find it later. I think that's an important piece of being a storyteller, too. I have tried really hard as we've gone through different campaigns and as I've learned to be a DM, not to kind of just be like point A, point B, linear, right? Like, I've tried my best to kind of find places where I can um, I can look at the situation and kind of just drop other pieces of interesting, like, trail on the ground. Like... Mm you'll come across something and you'll be like, wow, that's interesting. But then, like, it's not relevant. And then, like, 10 sessions later, I'll be like, do you guys remember that thing that I dropped a little while ago? And then you'll start to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is this here? <laughs> and and that's good because I think that it's difficult for some people, like, you know, when you have, especially with time constraints, right, it's so hard to um, to make sure you tell a great story in, like, a certain amount of time because you want it to just feel realistic. And... Mm-hmm. I've had I've had instances of, of games before where they, you only have a year because everybody graduates in a year and then you have to go, right? Yeah. Um, but, like, I think one of the great things about doing stuff online is that uh, it allows us a little bit more time to kind of feel a little bit more fluid about all of that as well. Um, but, you know, 
a, a really difficult thing to do is kind of give people those interesting pieces all over the place that they will will like. And, you know, sometimes they stick, sometimes they don't stick, right? Like, mm-hmm. I've had many instances in this campaign where I'm like, here's a cool thing. You guys are like, huh, and then you walk away, right? Like, that's okay, though, right? As a DM, sometimes you just improv stuff, you throw it in there, you say, here's a cool thing. Do you like it? No? All right, bye. And then that's it, right? Yeah. Um, but I think that there's a big piece of, of finding that, like finding that interesting stuff that your players will like, but also it's not like, like relatively relevant at this current moment. Right. And then mm-hmm. like allowing that to become something else later and giving your players those open-ended options to follow other super objectives as the game continues. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. So I think my favorite so far that I've done enough theory crafting on is Ignis. So we'll oh, see where really? that goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I mean, that is once Dante go once Dante drops, uh Ignis becomes uh public well not I don't want to say public enemy number one. Yeah. Because I don't think Cynical views him necessarily as an enemy. Right. Like he becomes public interest, interest number yeah. one. Public interest number one? Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I would I would say that um the uh, there's a race that I created in my uh, in my game for all of you listeners out there called the Avaya and um, me and Barry made that up together. Although I think that it's a, a I would say maybe a little bit more my brainchild, but I I don't want to discredit him in general. I would say that I have put a lot of time into thinking about them uh, for this specific campaign, uh, and I think that there's like this overarching understanding of like what's going on right now and how um how like all of this this races things are interacting with the world right because um this race is this like brand new kind of resurgence of um like magically imbued beings in the world and uh i'm interested to see where you guys go with all of those and i will keep that out there as a as a thread a little cookie <laughs> a little further away and hopefully that will interest uh, as we go along and inform Citigal's desires and motivations for the future for sure i uh, i wish we had recorded the po- i wish we had podcast the session from the start i'm very sad that we didn't record i know yeah on the bright side if you guys finish the the dante arc it's possible that we could record it but also everybody's got to get good microphones that's true. That's and true. they've also got to get the ability to help me freaking edit it because, That's good true. golly, I don't I know if I could do all of it. That's true. Yeah, you you definitely could. Um, but yeah, so that would be a whole thing. But I would yeah. I would like to, but it would probably be at the end of an arc of something. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't I don't want to throw people into the Dante arc right off like at the very end. Just no, like, what? that would be horrifying. The Dante yeah. arc has like been since. Gosh, we've had so many sessions of this game. Ugh. I I really want to. I I got to figure out how many we've had so far. And that's this is it's a lot. That's the other thing too is you know while I'm discovering, I don't I don't want to stop. Like I definitely see, honestly, in my brain, either Citigal hits twenty, and then I continue playing past twenty, yeah, or uh, Citigal dies and I make a new character, yeah, and then that character is gonna go. Like I don't want to stop playing in this world. I'm glad that you think so. I, I It always makes me happy to see people enjoy my world. Um, I think the greatest compliment I ever got about my world was Barry sitting down saying, I want to DM a game, and I'm going to do it in your world. And I don't think that I could have asked for a bigger compliment. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, if anybody else ever comes up to me, like, that's also something that I've, if you, if you ever want to DM in my world, Jackson, let me know, because I would Ooh. love, I would love it, because that's my jam. Um... If other people add to it, then, like, it would be absolutely fantastic. But I think we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent here. Oh, we absolutely are. <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, yeah, I, I could totally see that. Um, uh, I, I've intended for this this campaign to go 20-plus um, epic boon, possibly. So, yes. Um, yes. That'd be cool. Uh, but you guys would essentially be gods at a certain point, And then yes. I'd be like, I don't know how many fucking Tarasks I can throw at you. Please well, stop. <laughs> so. Well, we, we now know that there are things higher than the gods, so... Yeah, 
that was a thing that was interesting oh. to kind of drop on you guys. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes for sure. But yeah, um, I think that's most of what we can really talk about for this podcast, unless we go off on like hyper tangents and then like I just need to split up different podcast sections. <laughs> just honestly, multiple episodes. Yeah. Like honestly, this latter half, like maybe the last five, ten minutes or so, probably could have been a different podcast. But I oh, hope everybody's sure, enjoyed sure. it so far as we've kind of delved into these possibilities and things like that. So uh, yeah, but um, Jackson, thank you so much for being on my podcast with me. I would love to have you on again. Uh, but at I the would same love to time, be on again, I want to make sure that you get your your good good shout out to Jackson also has another podcast that I, he does very regularly. I do. It's called uh, I Can't Stop Talking. You can find it wherever you find your other podcasts. It's vastly different. Um, <laughs> do a little do a little advice columning, uh, a little uh, kind of death battle between various Ooh, characters. Very, uh, nice. very funny. Uh, you can check out the Facebook page I Can't Stop Laughing. It's a subshoot of that. It's a meme page. Uh, it's very fun. Just three idiots, me and my buddy Alex, uh, or I guess four, my buddy Jake and my buddy John just being real dumb. So if that's something that interests you, come on over, stop by, take a listen. Very nice. Yeah, and we'll put a we'll put a link to that in the in the show notes description as well. So sweet. Awesome. Well, I think that's everything I got to say for today. Jackson, do you me have too. anything else you would like to add? Mm, no, I think I'm good for now. Okay, cool. Well, thank you everybody for listening, and we will see you some other day. Goodbye. <laughs> see ya. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening. The fact that you have made it here to the end means the world to us. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with your friends, or if you have the time, reviewing us on Apple Podcasts is a great way to show support. You can follow us on Twitter at A Journey's Rest or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash A Journey's Rest Podcast. If you have any questions for us to answer, you can send them in to journeysrestpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for sharing the precious pieces of your time with us, and we hope that the rest of your day is just as wonderful. See you again at our table soon.